Hi everyone, it is Wednesday the 13th of October here in Singapore and welcome to another episode of Bill Invest. Alright, for this week it's going to be a super exciting week. We are looking at earnings reports from the financial industry and just before the market opened today, two financial institutions actually released their results. First up is BlackRock. So BlackRock, for those who don't know, is a fund management company. It basically has different asset classes and then they will package them, be it um, having different compositions of asset classes or it can be full equity, full bond, depending on the different funds that they offer and different funds that investors want to invest in. This is how BlackRock um, operates. So BlackRock is actually the largest fund management company in the world. Uh, total assets under management of $9.46 trillion worth of assets under management. So it released its results today. Um, Year-to-date performance it has risen 21% from January to today. Earnings per share jumped 20% to $11 per share. Revenue grew as well, grew by 16% to $5 billion and these two figures actually big expectations of uh, analysts. So analysts actually expected BlackRock to report earnings of $9.39, eventually reported $10.95, whereas um, revenue of estimated of $4.82 billion, actual revenue $5 billion. However, the assets under management reported was $9.46 trillion. Um, analyst expectations for that was $9.64 trillion. So this term, assets under management, um, in short, is called AUM. It is a term that many fund houses would use. The definition of it would be the total value of investments that the fund house holds all the investments that BlackRock holds on behalf of its investors. So if you're an investor, you invest, um, you purchase a fund from BlackRock, then you will be, uh, this, uh, the value of this fund will be part of the AUM. So let's see how the share price is doing right now. Uh, BlackRock share price performing rather well today. It is up 3.66%. It's an $800 stock, so you know, given the price, it's still quite surprising that you will be able to rise that much. Um, however, still, still rather far away from its all-time high. Its all-time high was hit this year, August, at about $950. So that was the first um, financial institution that released earnings. So next up, another financial institution that released its earnings was JP Morgan. JP Morgan um, shouldn't be a stranger to you guys. One of the largest banks um, in the US, in fact around the world, uh, in terms of earnings. Reported $3.74 per share, whereas analysts estimated it to be $3 per share. Revenue-wise, it's $30.44 billion for second quarter 
versus estimate of $29.8 billion. Q3 results, third quarter results. Partially why um, JP Morgan did so well is because they released a credit reserve of $2.1 billion. Because I think that is one big threat of banks is when you know people borrow money from you, people take loans, and then they fail to pay up. Because of that, you know your your bad debt, and you're not being able to recover the amount of money. So therefore, J.P. Morgan, I mean banks in general, would have reserves, and in this case, it's known as credit reserves. And for J.P. Morgan, it's 2.1 billion dollars at this moment. Pretty sure they have more allocated for credit reserves, but for this quarter, or for the previous quarter, Q3, they have released 2.1 billion dollars because they feel that. I mean, based on all the risk officers and risk analysts within the bank, they feel that in terms of uh, default rates, it will be slightly lower, and they can safely um, release this amount from its credit reserves. So, in terms of fixed income revenue, JP Morgan does sell bonds as well. Fixed income revenue dropped 20% to 3.67 billion. Um, estimates was at 3.73 billion, but equities trading, so stock trading revenue was at 2.6 billion, whereas estimates was only at 2.16 billion. And another huge um, driver for the company's growth was the investment banking segment, merger and acquisitions, IPO, JP Morgan for the same quarter. I mean for Q3. Posted a 50% increase in investment banking fees to 3.28 billion dollars. Quite a large increase compared to the previous quarter. So, in terms of JP Morgan's um, price year to date, it has climbed 30% for the year. So, if you bought in January, putting hundred dollars, you have hundred thirty dollars. Okay, so this is just a rough overview of the um, two financial institutions which announced their earnings report before market open. But I mean, it's, it's just weird because uh, JP Morgan, despite such good stellar results, is down 2% um, as I'm recording this. So now it's about $160. I guess it's always a both way kind of thing, you know, it's earnings report. Some people may have felt that it could have done better, even though on average uh, it beat expectations. But if you recall, I shared about two key priorities during earnings report. Firstly, is the expectations whether they beat, and if they beat, could they have actually done better in a way? So that is one. And secondly, is always the outlook. You know, what is the outlook of the company? Even though I may report outstanding results for this quarter, by next quarter outlook is bleak. For example, oh, I estimate that my growth wouldn't be that high. There were kind of, kind of lower analysts and basically the institutional investors' confidence in the company, and therefore sometimes we would see sell-offs despite good earnings for the quarter. Right. So these are the two companies which announced results before market open today. And in terms of upcoming results, tomorrow will be another interesting day. We will have TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Corporation. It's one of the largest, or if not the largest, 
um, chip manufacturing company. As I've talked about previously, the shortage of chipsets around the world. So let's just wait and see how was the performance of TSMC for this quarter for Q3. Um, besides that, we have four other financial institutions, mainly banks. We have Bank of America reporting earnings as well. We have Wells Fargo. We have Citibank, and we have Morgan Stanley. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, which are the banks that beat expectations and which are the ones that don't. And aside from that, another another company that you would have, you guys have heard of, Domino's, your favorite pizza. It is also listed in the stock market, so you know instead of purchasing a pizza, you could consider purchasing your favorite company um, right off the stock market instead. So Domino's is announcing results tomorrow as well, just before market open. So usually they will announce um they will announce around 8 p.m. Singapore time, so about 8 to 9 p.m. Singapore time. So as you know, U.S. market opens 9:30 p.m. Singapore time, so any time before that usually in the evening to uh, to about 9 p.m. I would say. So in terms of trade-wise, um, this week we have also, or rather last week, we have heard that Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's business partner in Berkshire Hathaway, Charlie Munger actually purchased Alibaba stocks. So I think partially because of this news, Alibaba stock kind of rebounded a bit. So from the lows of about 130, rebounded back up to about 170. I mean, seeing his confidence, seeing the momentum, I decided to go right in as well. I mean, I looked at the charts as well, and you can see that Alibaba is out of its downtrend channel. And it does look like quite a strong rebound because it, it um, held its ground for three days. So with that mentality in mind, I decided to add more positions in Alibaba as well. Previously, my cost price was at about 167. Uh, I added more at 170 on Monday. So all good, but I would say this is more for a short-term trade. Hopefully, I can dispose this off before Alibaba announces its results. Because you know, for especially for tech companies, earnings results are would sway the share price by quite a lot, given the volatility and all. Um, the point that I'm looking to dispose of is at about $200 because I think that is uh, it's not a huge resistance over there so once it hits $200 uh, prepare to sell it off aside from that um, Evergrande I say back to the Evergrande saga I love how it's feeling like some, some drama some zero every week bound to have one episode to have this Evergrande so on the news of Evergrande so yesterday Evergrande was supposed to pay up its interest on its bonds to the bondholders. But guess what? It missed its uh, payment once again. So this time around, payment was for a total of about 148 million US dollars for its bond issuance which expires on 2022, 2023 and 2024. So right now, we gotta wait 30 days. If it doesn't pay up within 30 days, it's gonna face a default. You know, as uh, what I shared previously, this company is really in it's just crazy in the red. It's three hundred billion dollars in red. But if this company has three hundred billion dollars in liabilities, it's just chalked up so much debt. There's so so much unfinished projects as well. Aside from Evergrande, within the real estate industry in China, smaller developers are also facing the same 
tragedy as Evergrande. Two more companies, one Modern Land, next up is also Cynic Holdings. They missed their payments as well. This is on top of the Fantasia company which I mentioned previously. So I think it's very important when you like to lend money, you are purchasing a bond, basically it's lending money to a company. It is important to take a look at its credit ratings. Because in fact, Chinese real estate market is likely the largest asset class in the world, estimating to about $62 trillion worth of assets, the real estate market in China. However, the Chinese real estate developers have more than $5 trillion in debt. So it's over about 10% thereabouts in terms of debt. And 71% of Chinese developers have a junk rating in terms of their bond. So it means that you know the likelihood of Chinese developers not paying up um, their bonds, uh, their borrowings, their suppliers is really very high. 71% so all these are really red flags you know before you actually invest in uh, any form of um, bonds especially it's whether can the company pay because see the thing about bonds is that it's it is consistent routine payments it's like a die die have to pay uh, on that specific date that frequency whereas in terms of stocks you see it's you can just buy into a company but you don't need to expect to receive dividends because dividends is not fixed it depends on how it depends on the performance of a company so whenever you purchase bonds it is you really have to be careful in, in terms of looking at the quality of the company you know quality of the bonds as well so now if you look at crypto crypto interesting interesting crypto we can see that cryptos still hasn't broken the 60k previous high but it is heading there it is heading there but right now you can see the support level for bitcoin will be about 54k so every time it hit 54k you know you would rebound hit 54k you rebound and yeah it did climb back up to about 57,000 as we are speaking now so just 3,000 shine of um, 60,000. So you see how that goes. Ethereum, on the other hand, looks like a slightly downtrend. Yeah, currently trading about 3,005. Ethereum's previous high was uh, 4,003. So another $700, about 20% to go. Whereas Bitcoin, just less than 10% to its uh, all-time high. Alright, hope you guys learned something new today. And as always, I read so you don't have to. I'll catch you next time.